Hello, Jamie. Or should I say, hello, Podcast Barbie. Thank you for giving me my respect and my due. Yes, I am Corporate Barbie today. Um, And if you forget my name, it's right here, just in case you forget. Oh, Yeah, it's a very unique name. (laughs) Um, And I noticed that you're very Barbie today. Well, my favorite Barbie growing up was Day to Night Barbie, where she had a corporate suit, like what you're wearing. Actually, we should have swapped. No, what happens is that she wears a very corporate suit with this little hat and she has a briefcase. Okay. And then um, for Night Barbie, she transforms her suit into this tool. Oh, so you're both, she's both people. Like she transforms and I, oh my God, I freaking. And she came with a block cute little pink cell phone. Uh oh. And Steve, we have my husband Steve on today. AKA Ken. Mm-hmm. What are what's your favorite Ken? <laughs> <laughs> As if there's multiple. Yeah, exactly. I have no idea. What is your favorite well, Ken? The vanilla one that like <laughs> the beach Ken. Your your yeah. beach Ken. Your you have beach. a fanny pack. You have a really I love um, it. I, strikingly pink and yellow outfit on. I thought for a second you have it on backwards. No, it's actually <laughs> correct. You're, it's correct, babe. Oh we should God. go to Venice Beach so we could play out the scene of when Barbie from the Barbie movie and Ken uh, arrive to Los Angeles. Oh, my God. I, see, now I have to see the movie because I, I full it. disclosure, Melissa, you and I were talking about this leading up to this episode. Um, you were like, okay, we'll do the Barbie thing. And like, what's your favorite Barbie, Jamie? Because we were trying to figure out what my outfit's going to be. And I was like, I never really played with Barbies. I mean, I did. My neighbors across the street had Barbies. So every now and then we would play it, but I was like more, a little more tomboyish and like riding skateboards and stuff. So I don't even know what Barbies exist. Of course, I've heard Malibu Barbie. And I just took a wild guess that like corporate Barbie existed somewhere. So that's kind of what I am today. You're day to night. I'm day to night. And you're the the night. I'm the day. Yes. Oh my God. I love that. And we did that unwilling. I mean, unwillingly. (laughs) Unknowingly. Unknowingly. I would I would actually argue that we do have one unwilling participant. <laughs> he was forced to be here. I will just let everybody yes, know. Yes, because very much forced. Um, first of all, happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. This is our Halloween episode. I'm just impressed that you guys actually buy anything Halloween decor. I am not a Halloween fall decor girly. I do the bare minimum. So, and only because I have a daughter who's of the age still who like enjoys Halloween. So I'm an unwilling participant and I'm not, everybody's like, oh yeah, you have a true crime podcast. You're so into true crime. You must love Halloween. I actually don't. And I'm not even into like ghosts or anything, but I am so impressed that you guys actually went that far because you guys have older kids, but I have a young kid and I'm like, okay, I guess I need to like put some webs and skeletons and to make her happy. But I'm like always like, oh, shit, who's going to clean this shit up? Well, 12, it it was 12. Steve is perpetually 12 or 14. Okay. He hasn't grown up. Got you. Okay. So it's really all for Ken. I mean, Steve, I mean, Ken. (laughs) (laughs) He, He, what else did you buy, babe? Smoke detectors. Oh, the, smoke, the fog machine too. So the oh, you, fog oh. can go down the driveway. Well, the see, you guys are so into it. He has a vision. Do you guys get trick-or-treaters? No, because we live on a hill and nobody wants to hike up. And then when we bought the house during COVID, nobody's been up there since. Oh my God. We don't get trick-or-treaters either because we live on a dark 
canyon street and there's no street lights on my street. So it's like yeah. dark and it's back in a canyon. So we have to like go to other neighborhoods to do the trick or treat. I think that our intention, I would say, I would say our, we haven't spoken about it, but I think the the intention is to make our house so inviting to TikTok to TikTokers. Oh my God, that's so, where our brains are every day. So inviting to trick or treaters that they will come. Our house will lure them to come and get full size candy. Bars. But even that twelve foot scully has yes. not lured them in. Well, we just got it. So oh, we the, we okay. will test it out. All right, let us Halloween. know. There's going to be a yeah. follow-up on that. Mm-hmm. A follow-up. And then maybe we'll switch out our chandeliers with um, like red or purple lights or something. Which because, would be amazing. Because we have a house, so we have an A-frame, and we have glass windows, so you'll see in. You that would know. be so scary. Mm-hmm. And you live up on a hill. Like, it just sounds scary already. We can make it freaky. Yeah, I don't like haunted houses. They do, they scare me. So we brought Steve in because we have a subject matter that is yes near to us. It's a, yes, it's a, it's a, the case today that M- Melissa's going to walk us through is, I don't want to say it's near and dear to our hearts, but we thought bringing Steve in would just add a little extra oomph to it. Yeah. <laughs> Steve, do you know what the case is about? I have no idea why I'm oh, here. Oh, maybe you have we no should. Idea? Maybe we should no. lovingly share what we're going to okay. be talking about. I'm going to play the trailer. I'm going to play the trailer. Let's hear it. Okay. As a romantic suspense writer, I spend a lot of time thinking about murder. So my husband has learned to sleep with one eye open. A Lifetime original movie. What does it matter if the books get published? What are you trying to say? If you're going to murder your husband, it may not be the best idea to write a blog post called How to Murder Your Husband. How to Murder Your Husband, The Nancy Brophy Story. Premier Saturday, January 14th at 8, only on Lifetime. <laughs> I'm so glad he's laughing. So Steve, this is How to Murder Your Husband. <laughs> Welcome. Sweet. <laughs> I'm so glad now. you're here. You're watching me. Well, I guess some people would say you probably should have already slept with one eye open. Absolutely. Of who I'm related to. And <laughs> if not that, then it's that I... You're going to be the first suspect, so it's okay. <laughs> it's so true. You know what? I would be the first suspect because of my Google searches. Oh, 100%. I always tell Steve, I'm like, dude, if anything ever happens to you, let's knock on wood that it doesn't. If they check my Google searches, I'm toast. I'm told because mm-hmm. I research this stuff all the time. They're going to be like, sure, you were researching to kill your husband. Well, that was the podcast episode I was filming. <laughs> exactly. It's, it was just innocent work. Mm-hmm. So are you going to lead us through a story that uh, yes. sounds like it involves how to murder your husband? Yes. This is the Nancy Brophy story, how to murder your husband. Mm. Mm-hmm. Sounds familiar. I think I, so with this case, I do remember some headlines and it's been a while, like a little while since I've really even read any articles. Okay. Uh, so I'm going to be super, I don't know what happened yes. it fully. So this is the true story of Nancy Campton Brophy, played by uh, Sybil Shepard for the Lifetime movie. Mm. So watch that. Um, the Lifetime movie is, of course, called How to Murder Your Husband. That's the trailer I played. They just get right mm-hmm. to the point. Yes, they get yeah. right to the point. In okay. this movie summary, Lifetime states, Nancy seemed to have a knack for writing about murder. The Portland-based... <gasps> 
Oh my oh. gosh, there's another tie to you guys. I, I'm honestly scared for Ken's life here. Yeah. The Portland-based romance thriller novelist authored books about relationships that were while using seductive men on the covers to lure in her readers. Often, her books featured women protagonists who fantasized about killing their own husbands or fleeing their husbands and faking their own deaths. And then in 2022, in a shocking turn of events, Brophy was convicted of killing her own husband. Okay, so you're saying Nancy Brophy was an author, a true crime author, author it sounds like, and mm-hmm. she was then accused of killing her own husband. Correct. So we're going to get into the case that is, when I say it's near to us, I meant near in um, proximity, location. It's Portland-based. Oh, thank goodness. I, know. <laughs> I was scared for a second. I was like, oh, God, how is this going to connect to us? Are we yeah. implicating ourselves in right, a crime? I don't right, know. Right. And, and just to be mindful, I am not making fun of the victim. I am laughing at the ridiculous nature of her occupation in relation to her crimes. Yes, totally understood. Just that disclaimer. Um, So if you're not from Portland, Oregon, you may not realize there are different areas around Portland. Um, It's a very large city with boroughs extending outwards. Um, Well, I'm not going to, I was just going to give my location. Oh yeah, let's not, no. I'm not going to give Portland-ish. But Portland is known for... um, being weird. Mm-hmm. It's like, what would you say? Kind of like Austin, Texas. Yeah. Austin, I think their slogan is stay uh, weird or stay weird. something like that. I don't know. What is Portland's babe? Yeah. Okay. So yeah. similar. Yeah. I think uh, we, they did not trademark it. I guess Austin should have. Cause they're just, bar- yeah. Who had it first? Now we got to Google who did it first. Yeah. Lie detectors, you tell us. Yeah, did they know. Come first with their their weird, <laughs> their or, weird or did Portland was who was weird first? Portland or Austin? I think anybody who watches Portlandia would totally know the culture of Portland. Um, I moved from uh, Santa Clarita to Portland just what? Uh, how many years ago, honey? Yeah, four years. I'm. I'm getting used to it. I'm learning the culture. So I would say there's some style that you can see on the street that's unique to Portland. Oh, okay. Like, Give us an example. Like men is still in the 1900s look. <laughs> Not the 1900s. <laughs> yeah, a beard and the vest. Okay. And Interesting. Uh, like kind of a hipster meets 1900s shop clerk. Okay, clerk. do they wear like cuffed <laughs> Levi's? And and have a mustache. Like, yeah, they'll have a mustache. Mustaches are in. They'll have. Um, I mean, that's one look. The other look is like REI mixed with Birkenstocks, lumberjack. lumberjack. Yeah, lumberjack. Birkenstocks is- are big in Oregon. I have family in Southern Oregon. Okay. Now I would say Portland's got to be a lot more stylish, even if it is a little behind, or maybe it is or not. Southern Oregon. There's a lot of like river sandals. Yeah. A lot of Birkenstocks. Or, yep. Yep. That's a lot true. of lumberjack. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, a lot of Subarus. Steve has a Subaru. I love a Subaru. <laughs> My sister's actually, that's her like goal. She wants to get a Subaru. She lives in Oregon. What do you want to do to your Subaru, Steve? 
Besides Marriott. But when he walks by it, he's like, ooh, that's a sexy car. Yeah. <laughs> hey, a Subaru's perfect for that he's terrain blushing. out there. He's, you're blushing. <laughs> <laughs> what do you want to do to your Subaru, babe? Nothing. Soup it up. It's expensive. <laughs> he had plans. He just bought it. It's what are expensive. your what were your plans? Lift it. Change the front bumper out. To what? Put a toe on it, toe winch on it. And the light package you want because you have road rage. I'm oh, telling he on needs, you. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. We have something in common then. Because it's so dark up there. Everybody drives their with their brights on. Oh, that's, cr I don't like that. Yeah, so I, I need like more that. lights so I can flash turn them so on. So you can do that back. I've always wished, because I'm a little bit of a road rager. Now, I've gotten so much better. The kids have calmed me down. I so, But I have always wished that I had like a sign at the back of window of my car that I could be like, fuck off. Like I could write messages to people. <laughs> they make those on Amazon. You can buy those little things okay. in the window. Listen, don't threaten me with a good time. I will go on Amazon <laughs> later. I got Prime and I'm going to get my sign and you guys just pray for me. I can only see that in your Porsche. I, totally. I need, I need it in the Porsche. <laughs> people, I, I, I would die dick. in the streets of LA. Like there's no way. I mean, in my fantasies, I want that sign so I could tell people like how I really feel, but it would get me killed. I just, I, it's not a smart it idea. It it's really not a could. smart idea. But so, so Steve, you want to what? Flood them with light, blind them. So yep. they get in a car crash or what happens? So they turn the brights off. That's it's innocent. That's it. It's innocent. That, I don't it. want them to be hurt. It's a it's a light battle. He hurt. just wants to it's get into a light, into a light battle. battle. Like ooh, boo. It's you, like Star you, Wars here's mine. Oh, you want these? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! I would say the rims were, the rims were stock. They were they were rem, they reminded me of the nineties. Um, what Portland? Is Portland a little <laughs> like yeah? In Portland, are the they a little stuck in the nineties? But the nineties are super in. Wait, so. I have to find um, Portlandia for anybody. You know what Portlandia is? Right? I've heard of it, but I haven't. Oh watched my gosh, it. it's such a anything. catchy little trailer too. You know, people were talking about getting piercings and getting tribal tattoos. Yeah. And people were singing about saving the planet and forming bands. Yeah. There's a place where that idea still exists as a reality, and I've been there. Where is it? Portland. Oregon? Yeah. Tattoo ink never runs dry. Remember when people were... Okay, but we're not going to be talking about Parlandia. We're going to be talking about Nancy Brophy, okay. who is a fantasy writer that is infamous for what she wrote on a blog, which was How to Murder Your Husband. Oh, my God. This is so bizarre. Okay. All right. So let's get into it, shall we? We shall. All right. Dan Brophy and his wife, Nancy, lived in Beaverton, which is... About 20 miles, right? What would you say from Portland? Smashed up against it, maybe. Five, 10 miles at the most. Mm. Oh. Steve is a... Um, Coming sorry. in with the facts. We don't <laughs> yeah. even need Google. I don't yeah. know. We got Steve Ken. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Beaverton residents enjoy the best of both worlds. Easy access to the city, along with peace and quiet, and Cornelius Pass. If you know, you know. I don't know. <laughs> you don't know. I don't know. <laughs> It, it's a stretch of highway to connect, and it is 
goes through a forest. It's windy. All of the trucks take that route. There's some corners where you have to go 10 miles an hour. Yeah. And if you get behind a truck, oh. it's the only way to target. That's, that's how when you Steve flashes it. his lights on his Subaru. When <laughs> yeah. he gets behind that damn truck, and that's when I turn on my digital sign yeah. on my car. Yeah, so if you know, you know, it's Cornelius Pass. It, and there, Cornelius Pass has his own Facebook group. Oh, Mm-hmm. You so it, join. it's a thing. It's a thing. Okay. Yeah. Dan Brophy was well known throughout the Portland area for his culinary expertise. His for his very first job had been in a restaurant, and he developed an appreciation for the bustle of working in the kitchen. Okay. Let's say a little bit about them as a couple. The couple maintained a large vegetable garden and raised several chickens on their property. And in Portlandia, there's an episode that Steve really loves. About where they go to a restaurant? No, oh, they go to the restaurant and the waitress gives them the whole workup of what the chicken, the chicken's name, where it lived, how it lived, what it ate. Because it's not. For right. its entire life. Oh my God. <laughs> Which would like, my daughter is like, she eats meat, but every time before she takes a bite of meat, she's like, but it makes me sad that this was a living thing one time. So if we went to a restaurant and they pulled that on her, she'd be like, I'm out. Give me the veggies. Yeah. Well, and the show goes further into it. So it starts with that scene where they're sitting at the table and then they provide the paperwork on the chicken because she wants to know, like, you know, the source of her ingredient. Yeah. And then it goes deeper. They end up where? I forgot. They ended up visiting the farm that the chicken was grown on and then they end up becoming part of the commune on the farm. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. It's a whole thing. Yeah, it's a whole thing. Um, So a little bit about the perp, our suspect, Nancy. Uh, This was the second marriage for Nancy and Dan. Very little public information has been released about their lives before they met. They were both in their 40s when their romance blossomed and those close to the couple were delighted by their second chance marriage. Mm, Love that. Love a second chance. Mm -hmm. And that's us. Steve and I are, this is our second marriage. Yeah, me as well. Mm-hmm. Upgrade. We upgraded to the Steves. Yeah, Steve Square. <laughs> Steve Square. <laughs> Dan Brophy was well known throughout the Portland area. Well, he had graduated with a focus in marine biology from South Dakota's University of Sioux Falls. His passion was cooking. As an extension of that, he derived a lot of joy from mentoring others. So he's a good guy. I like that. He does sound like a good guy. Like He enjoyed what he did, and he wanted to spread that knowledge to others who wanted to do it as well. In the 1990s, Dan worked as a cooking instructor at the Western Culinary Institute, one of the several Portland area, Portland area culinary schools. Brian Walkie's – oh, I guess the E's silent. Brian Wilk was one of his students there, and Chef – Dan apparently made a lasting impression on him. They later worked together at the Western Culinary Institute, where he, which was renamed Le Cordon Bleu in the 2000s. Mm. That sounds fancy. Yeah, I think there's one in Pasadena, or at least a school. If I'm not mistaken, I used to work in Pasadena. Is that French? Le Cordon Bleu. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's how you say it, but that, I think that there used to be students and you could go like taste their food. What's the name of the ham and the ham and, and oh. cheese inside a Oh my god. a chicken. Yes, it's called it came up in one of my scripts cordon recently. Cordon bleu. No, not cordon bleu. No, chicken cordon bleu. Chicken cordon bleu. Yeah. So Lee Cordon Bleu is the school. Yes. <laughs> Very prestigious school it sounds like. But that chicken sounds really fancy. I like fancy chicken. I mean, I prefer red meat, but I'll do chicken as long as it has a bone in it. I don't, I don't want to like, I just, I'm saying like, so I grew up like, 
I don't know if this is a white people thing or if it's like a whatever, but like a freaking dry ass chicken breast. No, thank you. Chicken I'm breast? opposite. I need I a bone and no, some juice. No, no. I bought the other day. Okay. So Steve has a friend named Craig. You could tell. I came home um, and Steve was ready to compete against his friend Craig. <laughs> Right, babe? I said, let's have wings. And then you went to the store. And what did I do wrong? You bought legs. <laughs> oh, you bought legs. Well, they kind of look alike. And then there's like boneless. And then there's... The size. Yeah. <laughs> Take so, that. Yeah. So he, so his friend Craig made these amazing um, buffalo wings and, in his air fryer. And Steve's like, I'm going to make those. I'm cooking dinner tonight for our family. So he sent me to the store. And, and I, I love an air fryer. Yeah. Love an air fryer. And I got all the ingredients except for the wrong meat. You bought legs like they do at those um, medieval times. <laughs> like what was that? What it was? <laughs> it was drumsticks. You know, like, oh, I mean, listen, <laughs> I love a drumstick. It's got a bone in it. That's, I'm satisfied. And okay. lie detectors, let's ask them. Like, okay, if you're, you're eating like chicken. Meaty. No, you bone less. No grizzle, no veiny crap in it. Nothing, nothing in that chicken but chicken breast. Now, I understand. That. Like, And it's also a function of like, am I sitting in my car and I need to scarf something down because I'm going to run into a meeting that I'm going to be late for? What's the easiest? Boneless for sure. Like dip something in some ranch and eat it with no bones and not worry. But if I have time to sit down at a meal and don't give a shit who's looking at me, I want a bone because it's, I hate the word moist, but it's like, it's not dry chicken. That's all. I don't like my chicken dry. I'm easy. <laughs> he likes me. He's a dude. All right. So, all right. Cool. Food. Food. You like food? food. Food's good. You're, you're Ken. You don't I know. Like but Steve <laughs> likes food. Steve's allowed to like food. food. Okay. Why'd we come here? I came here to beach. Yes. Yes, you did. He was a good sport. He watched the bo the booby. <laughs> he watched the Barbie movie. <laughs> the booby movie. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> you guys should have heard what she said earlier. I'm sorry, but she said, oh yeah, hold on. I just real quick. Let me just say this okay. real quick. Okay. We were, we just got done recording an episode. We took a little break to change into our Barbie outfits. <laughs> <laughs> Melissa in front of our production assistant, Alyssa in front of her husband in front of me. She's all, we should all scissor <laughs> our legs. And then we're like, no, wait, hold on. Where is this going? And she's like, no, the way that Barbie walks, like she scissors. Yeah, but like, like to like me, scissors, like cutting yeah, scissors. Yeah, no, honey, the, it meant a whole different thing. And I was like, whoa, is that what this is today? Everybody's going to scissor. And then she's all, no, I just meant your legs. And I'm like, yeah, that's scissoring. <laughs> I'm sorry, you guys. Okay. okay. And then, okay. yeah, so yeah. that's where it went My earlier. My cheeks are all red. How am I going to get through this And now case? she's talking about the booby movie. Like, come on, you guys. <laughs> well, Steve... Well, now I don't even know what I was talking about with Barbie, but you, he was you a made me sport. go watch the Barbie movie. He was a good sport. He watched the booby Barbie movie. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it. Yeah, I thought you were great, babe. And I cried during the Barbie movie. Yeah. You should watch it. I will. Watch it. I will. And Steve, it's Ken enough by coming today and showing his support, being in costume. Definitely Ken mm -hmm. enough. There's no He's still horses. upset about the horse. And so what is upset the about the horses. Doja? What is it? The 
Yes. Uh, I thought you were going to say Doja Cat. I mean, I just <laughs> really am so lost with this movie. You're going to have to watch it. You'll get okay. all of this. I will. And then we will discuss your thoughts about it. So Dan worked as a chef instructor at another area school called Good Taste. Dan kept in touch with Brian even over the years. They didn't work together directly. Even over the years, they didn't work together directly. Then in 2006, Brian and another chef, Eric Stromquist... Uh, Stromquist decided to open their own school. They called it the Oregon Culinary Institute or OCI. The privately owned trade school differ offered the privately owned trade school offered coursework ranging from hospitality to baking with a focus on sustainability and local locally sourcing. Very Portland. Yeah. Very LA. Yeah. Both. Maybe it's just uh, and it might be a grift. Like, I don't know. I love the local source, like, in theory. Mm -hmm. But, like, is it really locally? So, I don't know. It's the local. Um, <laughs> the local. <laughs> what do you call it? <laughs> the local. <laughs> I'm like, we probably should have ate lunch. <laughs> I know, because all we're talking about is food. <laughs> <laughs> what counts as locally sourced? Like, I mean, did they just go to the Ralphs that's local and source their shit? That's what or... I was thinking too. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> we haven't even had any drinks. Okay. We have not had any okay. drinks. Okay. Okay. Brian immediately thought of Chef Dan when identifying potential instructors. And a decade later, he would... A decade later, he would be named lead chef instructor. Throughout his career with OCI, Dan gained a reputation for his dry wit and idiosyncrasies. <laughs> oh, I love that word. Okay. Idiosyncrasies. Yeah. Which his students lovingly referred to as brophyisms. Oh, that's cute. Yeah. I first learned the word idiosyncrasies when I was in um, high school. I was taking summer school and the teacher played this game that he was going to go around, which is really odd when you think about it. And this guy was a kind of an odd duck yeah. anyway. We were all like 10th graders. And he's like, I'm going to point out every single student's idiosyncrasy if you want to play along. Because he'd gotten to know us throughout the course. Okay. And he like pointed out like, okay, your idiosyncrasy is that you wink or you laugh when you talk or, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. And I can't even remember to this day what he said my idiosyncrasy was. But it was, it always stuck with me what an idiosyncrasy is. Ooh. Okay. Maybe this is, is this dangerous? What's mine? Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Do you want to tell oh, me? Oh, man. I, you know oh, what? I'll think of Steve's. Let's see. Steve, Steve what, what, you, you can come up with one for me. You're <laughs> like, and I'm trying nope. to think of an idiosyncrasy, like, of yours as I've gotten to know you. Let me think of yours. Hmm. You talk a very distinct way. I don't know if that's an idiosyncrasy. It's like, it's very soothing. You talk in a way that's very regal. Oh. To me. Yeah. Like when you pronounce your words, you're very, let me try to do it. And I don't even know if this is an idiosyncrasy, but it's like, um, so you're like, <laughs> you're like, you're like, so Jamie, <laughs> Da, 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 da. And I'm like, I'm not going to do it justice, but the way she talks <laughs> is very regal. <laughs> well, so when I was working at the Dr. Oz show, everybody, uh, my boss would say to me, and other people have said this, they're like, I always know when you're here because you're laugh. And then yeah. I heard 
my laugh is like, after I heard my laugh, I'm like, oh my God, I laugh everywhere all the time. So loud. And then my sister has that same laugh as me. Okay. But what's funny is I noticed that about you right when I met you, but it immediately comforted me because I have a very loud laugh and I laugh all the time and my whole family laughs like this and we make fun of ourselves and it's not cute to listen to. Yours is better than mine, but we're both loud laughers. Okay. So yours is that you pronounce your words perfect. Oh. Yeah. I do. Really? You do. Yes. Oh. Yes, you really do. Oh. Well, you know what's funny? <laughs> do you want to know what is interesting about that? You said the T. The interesting. interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every <laughs> syllable yes. is that I wanted to be a news broadcaster when I was younger. <laughs> I wanted to be Jillian Barbary from Good Day LA. I don't know if you remember her, no. but she's like was the best because um, she was like quirky and funny. Yeah. But that's funny that you say that because I wanted to be a news broadcaster. <laughs> uh, no, it's perfect. I like it. I like it. Thank you. Um, Steve, let's see. What is yours? Philosophy. <laughs> you do. You do. You have amazing dad jokes. Oh, I love a good he dad ha- joke. He, has, he he throws them out all the time. I love those. They're so innocent. It's all situational, though. I can't come up with them on my own. Yeah, do, like though. the situation calls for it, and you're like right there, Johnny, on the spot with a dad joke. He, I love that. He he has them. Um, he absolutely has them. And then um, he was following an Instagram of, called Dad Jokes for mm. inspiration. And then he would, I followed it as well. And then he would start on it, like telling a dad. You're joke. like, but I already heard I this. I already heard this one. On yeah. Instagram. You were like it. two steps ahead of him. <laughs> I always tell my Steve that he needs to get some new material because he, his jokes are not dad jokes, they're inappropriate. But sometimes they're really funny and sometimes they're not. And I'm just like dead face. And he's like, but that was funny. And I'm like, you need new material. Like, come again, please. You know what? I love that you don't laugh then. Yeah. I don't give him a courtesy laugh. Don't reward. I don't reward. I don't reward for bad jokes. Like, you just really (laughs) need to impress me a little more. No. So this Dan guy seems like a great guy. With his brophyisms. Dan the man. Dan the man with his brophyisms. According to people.com, Chef Dan would call out sloppy behavior by making his students wear oven mitts when they forgot to wash their hands or wear a number of comical hats if they left their chef's hat at home. Sounds like that's bad things to do. So you have to remember. Yeah. Who wants dirty hands on their food? Nobody. That's gross. Yeah, I think he's doing a good deed by... I agree. Getting them to remember. Yeah, thank you, Dan. It kind of reminds you. me of um, PE class. If you forgot your clothes, you had to go to the... Uh, and get loners. You had to get loners. <laughs> oh, my God. I remember wearing those, too, and it's so embarrassing. You get what you get, and yeah. you don't throw a fit, and it was not washed. No, they're always stained mm-hmm. and not cute. Yeah, not great. Uh There was also a yearly tradition where one student would don a cow costume so the other students could attach Velcro labels identifying the different cuts of meat. Okay, that's actually really great. I mean, how can you ever forget, you know, where the cuts of meat are? If you by playing that game, I mean that that's actually very smart on his part. Chef Dan's special brand of humor made him stand out as an instructor. I would say so. He's already standing out in my mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, yeah, you need he's personality. A good guy. 
He's a good guy. It wasn't all fun and games, of course. There was also a deep level of respect for Dan on campus and throughout Portland. According to his OCI faculty page, according to his OCI faculty page, Dan was the most active faculty member leading field trips, organizing student projects, and speaking in the community. He was a mushroom expert. This does not surprise me about Portland. Many OCI instructors and student chefs alike considered Chef Dan, a resident encyclopedia of culinary knowledge. Mm. So his wife, Nancy, earned her living in a much less creative way. A native of Wichita Falls, Texas, she studied economics at the University of Houston. All right. Economics to author. Mm-hmm. How's this going to... That's Yeah. How does this happen? Yeah. And how do they meet? I'm so curious. After graduating, she began a long career as a salesperson at various insurance companies Mm. Boring. (laughs) No wonder she got into sex books. (laughs) After their 1997 wedding, Nancy began purchasing policies for herself and Dan. Uh Oh, I, I, Omar, you know this is going. I don't like how how this is going. Okay, she's learning. She earned a commission on each one sold. Increased sales also meant boosted confidence in the policies she peddled. She could tell potential clients she was secure enough in a policy's benefits to purchase it for herself. Okay. Like, I'm not only a hair club, <laughs> whatever. I'm also a client. Yes. Yeah. That's a good one. That's, a, that's what she used. Yeah. Right, what are you thinking, Steve? Does this sound... I mean, I'm just like... She's buying life insurance and he doesn't know about it. It's already shady. That that could be shady. Mm-hmm. Could be shady. If he doesn't know. Maybe. We don't know yet. Okay. Maybe it was the cut and dry nature of her occupation that drew Nancy to writing. <laughs> I, what do you think? <laughs> insurance or writing sex books. Yes. Do you know why women like sex books, babe? <laughs> no. <laughs> Unless they're bored. <laughs> I mean, okay, where is this going? Because I can think of a lot of reasons why women uh, read sex books. Like, what's the famous one that was made into a movie? What's the... Oh, Fifty Shades Yeah, Fifty Shades, yeah. Do you know why women like Fifty Shades of Grey? Because the dude's hot? Yeah. In a book? They're reading No, the about dude him. on the show. They, don't, the they movie, only read yeah. the book because they watched the movie. Well, but in their mind, they're picturing the, the hot, uh, you yeah. know, whatever. They, they call these books something, and now, of course, anybody who's listening. Corset rippers. That and something mm-hmm. else. That's a good one. Um, I don't like these kind of books, but I'm boring. I just would rather listen, uh, like, read books about JFK's assassination and real stories and... Well, I got into those books when I was a teenager. <laughs> Chapter of the lo- of the group Romance Writers of America. I guess since she lived in my area, I could join if I want. You really could. I mean, you oh, should. Yeah. Uh, you ought to consider it. <laughs> <laughs> Through self publishing, she went on to release a romance suspense series and two novelias. Is that how you say it? Oh, telenovelas. Wait, did you say, two say that again? Novelas, novel. Is it one word? Tell because that's a Spanish word. And okay, we'll just skip it. Suspense series. As as described on her website, her stories are about pretty men and strong women, about families that don't always work, and about the joy of finding love and the difficulty of making it stay. Mm. Well, writing was more of a hobby than a new career. Like many writers all over the world, Nancy felt a sense of community in the online sphere. In 2011, she crafted a blog post on a forum for female writers titled 
How to Murder Your Husband. Oh, God. So shall we read what she wrote about that? I yeah. wonder wonder oh, what um what advice she yeah, gave. Yeah, on well, how to murder your husband. we've been working in true crime for a long time, so I'm sure we could come up with one. Listen, there are many ways to murder anybody. We all know that because mm-hmm. we all, you know, listen and watch, the, you know, true crime. But I'm interested to see what she thought. It's cited. Uh, there's an archive version on the Was- from the Washington Post. I find it easier to wish people dead than to actually kill them. I don't want to worry about blood and brain splattered on the walls. And really, I'm not good at remembering lies. But the thing I know about murder is that every one of us have it in him or her when pushed far enough. Lie detectors weigh in. Do you think that everybody has murder in them if pushed far enough so and uh was nancy adopting a persona or expressing her secret impulses and masking it as fiction interesting Mm. yeah let us know so the um discovery of the body before classes started on any given day chef dan had a morning ritual he was commonly the first to arrive at oci and he'd unlock the faculty entrance for another early riser pastry pastry instructor dorothy damon before the students showed up dan filled buckets with ice and water from a commercial sink and prepared a large pitcher of coffee so that's That's nice. nice of him yeah June 2nd, 2018, started much like any other morning. It was a Saturday, so most of the students arriving were home cooks, hobbyists, or second career chefs. It only crossed Chef Dorothy's mind that something might be amiss when she realized she hadn't seen Chef Dan that morning. And that was his normal routine, so that may have given her pause. Uh, at the first, so the first few student, students started filing into his classroom. Something felt off. Chef Dan was usually standing there waiting to jovially greet them. On this particular morning, there was no sight of him. One of the students wandered into the kitchen area and found Dan lying on the floor unconscious. Oh, at the school. Mm-hmm. Wow. There was blood everywhere. A commotion followed as several concerned students gathered. While one person alerted emergency personnel and attempted CPR, a few others ran into the hall to find help. I mean, can you imagine for the students, this is is shocking. It it will be a day, a moment they'll never, ever forget. No. Yeah. Since it was... This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Do you ever feel just overwhelmed and pull out your laptop to start online ordering? You have a few hundred dollars in your online cart only to click out or worse, buy it all. Uh, Yes. In fact, I have a full Amazon cart right now. Okay, same. Apparently, it's called abandoned carts and it's a form of window shopping that became more of a habit for many of us after the pandemic. It's a way for our brains to self-soothe. Our brain wants to calm us into comfort. I find that I typically go online shopping when I'm bored or just to price compare. Which is all normal and healthy. I find I reach out more for the self-soothing aspect or as a way to procrastinate from doing what I really should be doing. And I think that's where BetterHelp comes into play. BetterHelp can be a resource to help us identify why we are avoiding the harder issues and why our brain is looking for ways to self-soothe despite it being potentially harmful to our purses. Yes, because releasing our deeper concerns to a licensed therapist, instead of having them fill your brain to the point you find other diversions, it's like working for yourself instead of against yourself. And working for your budget. But I do think there is a misconception that therapy is only for those who've experienced major trauma. But it's also a tool we can use for exploring becoming the better versions of ourselves. 
truer words have never been spoken. BetterHelp therapists can help us navigate the conversations that we find really hard to have with people we love or that boss of yours instead of the add to cart avoidance method we sometimes practice. It's really about developing empowering coping skills, small or big. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a quick questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists anytime at no charge. Make your brain your friend with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com LL today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash L-L. Only other faculty member in the building. A student found her in the restroom and alerted her to the tragedy unfolding. Can you imagine? Oh, my some, gosh. Somebody like pounding on your stall, st- bathroom stall. Yeah, like come and, <laughs> and see say, what we yeah, found. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Shocking. Yeah. By the time an ambulance arrived, it was too late. Chef Dan Brophy had been fatally shot in the back and chest. Mm. In yeah. the back. Yeah. So the reactions from the community were, you know, our prayers are those who are affected by this horrible tragedy that took place this morning. Um, Everybody wondered why was Chef Dan killed? He was a beloved teacher, mentor, member of the community. Did he take a joke too far maybe with one student? With his brophyisms? Mm -hmm. That's what one would wonder. Uh, so his wife, though, took to Facebook the day after her husband died, conveying how distraught she felt. According to People.com, she posted, "For those of you who are, for those of you who are close to me and feel this deserved a phone call, you are right. But I'm struggling to make sense of everything right now." That's interesting. Underst- okay. I mean, yeah, right. the Facebook part, going to Facebook is interesting. But again, you can never know how you're going to react to mm-hmm. something traumatic. But the um, it makes sense that like, yeah, I'm not going to be able to reach out to you right now. My husband died. It does make sense because, I mean, I go MIA all the time. You know, I will get a text from somebody and I won't actually intentionally open it up. I'll wait. And then I forget about it. And then I, I do that mm-hmm. all the time. And then the shame catches up with me. I'm like, oh, damn it. This was now I a week ago. Left them I'm, unread. They mm-hmm. think I'm ignoring them. I do that all the time. I wish I could mark them unread. Maybe you can now on the yeah, iPhone, maybe. but I, I love, I mark emails unread mm-hmm. all the time because otherwise I'll forget. So, I mean, this could be a post that I could write, you know, for those of why I'm yeah. not calling or answering your calls. Yeah. Nothing to see here. What this would is... you write on Facebook, honey? Oh. I have no idea what I would write. <laughs> he doesn't want to know what he would write. Probably nothing because I don't post, hardly post anything now. <laughs> I know. I know. Uh, two days later, hundreds of friends, students, and colleagues gathered to memorialize a popular chef. It was abundantly clear just how many lives the 63-year-old had touched over the years. Mm. Mm-hmm. That's when it becomes real. Real. Like Mm -hmm. he's a real person. People absolutely loved him. They looked forward to seeing him probably on those mornings when they went to class. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Nancy joined in the overwhelming praise of her late husband and spoke of him with deep admiration. As quoted by Portland Monthly, she told the crowd of mourners, he loved teaching. He loved mushrooms. He loved family. And he loved family (laughs) I don't know. I find like a little weird that he loved mushrooms. Like, <laughs> and it's like, like that also, like I'm in LA. So it's like, you know, I'm kind of like, well, what did he, we won't dive too deep, but I also loved mushrooms back in the day. 
but probably not the same. I didn't, I probably enjoyed mushrooms a different way than Dan Brophy did yeah. in his life. I'll just say that. I don't know. When you have the task of writing something to memorialize somebody. He loved mushrooms. mushrooms. It must have been like a real thing for it him must though. Have Maybe been. there's like a mushroom community that we're not super aware of that like mm-hmm. it's actually a thing. All right, you know? lie detectors, if you're a mushroom lover. Let and, us know. Educate us. And also, like, what kind of mushrooms? There's so many different. Like, there's mm-hmm. medicinal. There's like the tea. There's like psychedelics. There's. And would you be offended if somebody wrote in your obituary or, <laughs> you know, your your profession that you loved mushrooms and family? I would hope that Do that's not like write that. About yeah, me. please. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do not, babe. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I would write like, and she loved a red lip. Okay. I would include okay, that. that. Okay, loved a red, loved you a power what? red lip. Maybe I got this wrong. She really personalized his, his. Yeah, passion. that was like something super unique to him that not yeah. most people okay. can say. Oh, I'm a lover of mushrooms. Okay, okay. So, all right, Nancy, fine. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, we uh, were judging. Yes, Dan was. So she goes on. Dan was one of the very few people I've known that knew exactly what he wanted in life and loved doing it. Hmm. That's good. That's very sweet. Yeah. Others took to social media to express their devastation. Stacy Givens, owner of Farm to Table Restaurant, the Side Yard Farm and Kitchen, had hosted Chef Dan as a poultry slaughter instructor. As cited by the Oregonian, Givens wrote on Instagram, I have no words to describe the heartbreak I'm feeling right now. Today, this world lost one of the best humans I've ever known. Chef Brophy has been a mentor to me through my culinary and farming career. I saw him not just as a friend, a teacher, an inspiration, but as family. Very sweet. I love that. Very well written. Yeah. It brings him to life for people who like us who didn't know Mm -hmm. him. You're you're really like they're painting a picture of just a beloved person with many interests um, who like to share those interests with others. Just like it seems like it's a really good guy. And I think, you know, for his wife, Nancy, who wrote, you know, wrote um, How to Murder Your Husband. After Dan's murder, detectives pieced together what little evidence they had to identify as killer. Two 9-millimeter shell castings had been found at the scene, but there was no weapon to go with it. Investigators concluded from Dan's injuries, his attacker had caught him off guard, firing the first shot in his back. So he was not facing his attacker, and he was blindsided. So it's not like there was some confrontation. I'm angry at you. He's, now I'm going to kill you. He's probably filling the coffee up or, you know, doing yeah. his tasks and his back was to the attacker. But there were no signs of a struggle and no indication this had been a robbery gone wrong. Dan's cell phone, keys, and wallet had all been left undisturbed. There were no security cameras inside the school. But over the course of several weeks, investigators poured over footage from area traffic cameras and surrounding businesses. Detectives began questioning those closest to Dan, starting with his wife, Nancy. When asked about her whereabouts at the time of the shooting, Nancy said she had been home all morning. Friends and neighbors of the couple were also interviewed to determine if anything about the relationship could arouse suspicion. It's always the wife. Is it? (laughs) Always the husband. It's always the husband, Ken. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Intimate partner. Mm -hmm. They're going to always go to them first. Makes sense. 
You have to. You have to rule them out. By all accounts, Dan and Nancy had a loving, fulfilling marriage. They had been together for over two decades, frequently exchanged affectionate text message with words of encouragement and inspired Dan and inspired Dan's students to strive for the kind of marriage they had. Hmm. So they were a good example. Okay. I didn't expect that. I didn't either. Um, In an author... In an author biography on Nancy's website, she was the first to admit, like all marriages, we've had our ups and downs, more good times than bad. She goes on to mention that on an unspecified date, the couple had spent the couple had to spend 14 months in an apartment while their home was rebuilt after a house fire. Anybody who's been through a renovation and stayed married after that that's means strong. you, yeah, you you yeah. definitely have some sort of strength in that relationship yeah. to get through that. Yeah. In the year leading up to Dan's death, they were gearing up for retirement. The couple's finances had always been tight. Every month, they were mortgage payments of around fifteen hundred dollars, a thousand in life insurance premiums. Okay, hold on. Now I'm. <laughs> if your mortgage is fifteen hundred and your life insurance is like two thirds of your mortgage amount, that is a red flag. And it's repayment a of a loan taken out as a safety net for when Dan planned to stop teaching. So they must have put a mortgage on their house or, yeah. or something. Yeah. Like a HELOC okay. or, so they're yeah. more, it sounds like they live paycheck to paycheck and their mortgage, their, their house didn't have a lot of equity. Maybe they mortgaged it up for that whatever reason. Thousand dollars in life insurance premiums. I think a hundred's too high. I, I agree. Me and <laughs> I mean, I, you know, me and yeah. Steve pay not that much for a decent amount of life insurance on each yeah. other. It's not a thousand dollars, I can tell you that. Yeah, that would be crazy. Yeah. Oh, it's already two fifty. No, I my okay. watched in 2018, Dan had supplemented his weekday classes with weekend cooking classes at OCI and got a part-time job cooking at a rehabilitation center. Upon retirement, the couple planned to subdivide their house half acre of land for further financial security. Okay. I think that's smart. Mm-hmm. They There was a plan out of this hole. Yeah. Yeah. Other than cutting the life insurance policies now for that, some reason. Still, I'm still alarmed by those payments. Like, was that necessary? Mm-hmm. And I'm sad that Dan died right before retirement and didn't get to enjoy it. Yeah. I, I wish that um, the financial feminist, she's a podcaster, she could have given them some good advice. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Oof. Cut those, those life insurance, I think we're going to probably, I feel like that's going to play a factor. It's a lot of money. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of coverage. Yeah. I'd bet you those are whole, whole life insurance policies versus the term. Detectives oh. were alerted to the abundance of life insurance policies four days after Dan's death. That's when Nancy reached out to a Portland detective requesting a letter stating that she wasn't a suspect in the investigation. So she needs to go to the insurance company and say, I need a letter from you, Mr. Detective, so that I can cash out my husband. Because they won't pay out if she's part of an active murder investigation, Mm -hmm. if she's the suspect. This paperwork would allow Nancy to file claims on Dan's 10 life insurance policies. Okay. Mm -hmm. According to people.com, it would also make her eligible for the for the equity in their home and a workers' compensation claim from OCI since Dan's death occurred in the workplace. Oh, it's a double whammy. Mm-hmm. Okay, interesting. The detective refused to submit the requested letter since it was an open investigation and Nancy was a viable suspect. And she knew it, it sounds like. Mm-hmm. The excessive amount of life insurance policies and Nancy's eagerness to collect prompted investigators to take a closer look at her. Since the payout for the policies would total one point four million, excessive. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, just given what we know, what they do for a living and how they live, that just seems excessive. Don McDonald, their neighbor of six years, told detectives Nancy's reaction to her husband's death wasn't normal. Uh Uh-oh. According to the Oregonian, he said she never showed any signs of being upset or sad. I would say she had an air of relief. Like it was almost a godsend. Mm. At one point, Nancy casually admitted to McDonald, McConnell, sorry, that she was a suspect. And 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 again, here's the thing: no, everybody grieves differently. We mm. all know that, so you can't just go, "Well, she didn't cry; she looks guilty." I think initially that is going to be your reaction because you think, "Well, if I was in that situation, I would be like." crying hysterically. And maybe that's true, but like I've learned from my own life experiences, you know, something shocking Mm -hmm. happened to me when I was a teenager and I did not react at all. Like, I don't even know the person who reacted that way. Like I reacted nothing like I thought I would. And some people laugh at funerals. Yeah. I mean, nervous, there's nervous or, or it's a comfort thing, a Mm -hmm. self-preservation, like protection thing. So, I mean, we can't go off of the emotions. No. Right. So detectives found some physical evidence that implicated Nancy in Dan's killing. For starters, her alibi of being at home all morning was proven false. Okay. I don't know how they would prove that. Let's see. How would you prove? Because if... if Surveillance. I Well, we have home There's video, surveillance, surveillance everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, everything. Yeah, everything. There's surveillance. There may have been a receipt at a store. Maybe somebody locally was like, well, she came to the grocery store at this, Mm -hmm. you know, who knows? So traffic cameras captured her minivan driving. uh, Of course she drives a minivan. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Sex books, minivan Minivan. for sure. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Driving near OCI between 6.39 a.m. and 7.28 a.m. on the morning of June 2nd. According to police records cited by people.com, Dan arrived at OCI that morning at around 7.20 So she's in her minivan driving around the campus before he even arrives. Okay. Suspicious. Yeah. That meant there was a 13-minute window between Dan's arrival and the next time Nancy's vehicle was spotted on surveillance footage. Enough time Mm -hmm. to maybe commit a murder. Nancy also owned several firearms. She initially told investigators she and her husband worried for their safety in the wake of the Parkland school shooting. Oh, okay. 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 Mm-hmm. You have to give her that. Like, right. okay. I mean, though they had purchased a nine millimeter millimeter pistol at a Portland gun show. She claimed they never used it and didn't even own ammunition. And she didn't even own ammunition. But a deeper dive into Nancy's credit card records revealed mm. a different oh, story. Those credit cards will get you. Mm-hmm. Yep. In addition to the pistol, she had purchased what is commonly referred to as a ghost gun on eBay. Do you know what that is, honey? It's a gun with a serial number, essentially. Is it? Yeah. That's all it is? It's not tracked anywhere. Well, you that's buy that. suspicious. <laughs> I mean. Parts that don't have that on it, and you can sell it freely. So it's not a full, it's not a full weapon. You'd have to cut something out of it to make it. Like, why are you? Yeah. Now that that's highly suspicious. And the fact that she admits to owning a nine millimeter, which is the gun that killed him mm-hmm. and the surveillance, this is starting to stack up. Detectives surmise Nancy switched out the pistol's barrel with a Glock slide and barrel, rendering it untraceable. Would that do the trick? 
I don't know. You know more about guns than I do. Uh, citing motions filed by prosecutors, this was done to present a new fully intact firearm to police that would not be a match to the shell ca- casings that she left at the crime scene. Well, and if she did this, she knew a thing or two about guns. Must have been all God, that. Are there Google searches? Uh, did they find Google searches? Oh, how I don't to know. switch Let's up see. a gun or whatever, how to, whatever that gun thing is? Nancy's attorney, Lisa Maxfield. Uh, I love that there's a female attorney. That's I do good. too. I love, love I love a um, female badass. Yeah. Claims she acquired the gum, gun for research purposes. Oh, for one of her sex books. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Maxfield pointed out that Nancy had previously bought several outlandish items, supposedly to inject more realism into her writing. These items include a telescope, police-grade handcuffs, and you anti anal beads. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. And, no, you're good. And antique doorknobs. Maybe. May okay, hold on. <laughs> Do you know what is so funny that you just said that? So I listened to Jeff Lewis. Like he has a serious XM, like okay. whatever. Okay. And um, but I listened to his podcast, which is like Jeff Lewis has issues. That's what it's called. Okay. They literally told a story that like may or may not be real about supposedly, this is probably like um, Richard Gere and the gerbil story back in the day, oh, which was yes. proven to be false. Okay. They literally like told a story about a girl who supposedly tried to like have relations with a doorknob and had to go to the hospital. She had antique ones. Did, <laughs> did Nancy Brophy? I don't know. This like is so antique bad. doorknobs. Put so a little, bad. you know, um, vintage to it. <laughs> a little vintage spin to your sex book. Yeah. Okay. The fact that a gun was bought shortly before her husband was shot to death didn't exactly paint her in a positive light. Not exactly. No. Yeah. No. It wasn't the doorknobs <laughs> that did that. With evidence mounting against her, the Portland PD was able to make an arrest. Oh, wow. Okay. So yeah. we're arresting now. Her arrest was September 5th, 2018 a little over three months after Chef Dan was killed. So that's pretty fast. That three is months. Fast. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. good. Nancy Crompton Brophy was arrested. She was held at Multnomah County Detention Center on one count of murder. That's okay. According to the Daily Beast, when officers took her into custody, Nancy said, you're arresting me. You must think I murdered my husband. Holy, now just throw it all out there. <laughs> just spill the tea, Nancy Crompton Brophy. You like, know, I picture Nancy as melodramatic. <laughs> yeah, I, slightly, slightly. But that's why I want to read it. You're arresting me? I think she was like trying out for a part in her own sex book. I know. I think she was like, oh, oh. this is all just, you're arresting me <laughs> for what? Myself. For murdering my husband? Yes. Dun, we're taking dun, you dun. into custody. <laughs> Jeez, Nancy. Okay. she Nancy's a little extra for me. She's a little well, extra. We read it with flair. We did. We did. We have no idea how she said it. But. How would you read it, honey? <laughs> Steve just smiles and he just He's a good sport. He's a good and, sport. Yeah. Unlike my Steve would not. Ooh, good question. Well, he's at work. I do know that. And uh, he was a little hesitant to do this with us because he won't admit this, but he's very shy. And unless, yeah, okay, so unless he knows you really well, and he also has a very dry sense of humor that he always uses as an excuse. Like he's like, you heard him, you were mm-hmm. at my house yeah. when we asked him, Melissa, and we were like, babe, what are you doing on this day? Are you going to record with us? And he's like, babe, 
no, you're going to get canceled. Nobody's going to get my humor. And I'm like, get over it. Like you're, he, he's he hilarious. really funny. He's so, hilarious. So uh, honey, when I stayed at their house, I went to their um, bougie uh, <laughs> refrigerator and they had, they had circular ice. And so I said oh God, to yeah. Steve, I'm like, wow, you have really nice ice. He's like, we got it from North Korea. And she was straight. She was like, oh. oh, oh. And I was just sitting on the couch like, oh, God, here we go. He's just fucking He's with like, her. He's like, yeah, it has. It comes from this mountain. He gave a story. And valid. so I was thinking, I was not thinking of the location when he said North Korea because. You just heard Korea. Yeah, and you thought, thought, she thought it was I just. I was thinking a, South Korea because we, we we had gone to South Korea and it's beautiful. And, you know, you know and it um, was very high tech. Right. You know, the for the airport, the bathrooms were like pristine. Yeah. So I thought, oh, you yeah. Know, I didn't think North Korea when he said it. But yeah. then all of a sudden I was eating and like drinking. <laughs> and I looked at the ice cubes and I'm like, North Korea. Damn it! Yeah, and she, that's exactly what she did. She's all, damn it, Steve. And I'm like, okay, finally. And he's like, no, yeah, you know, he's trying to make our eyes sound super exclusive, but that's his humor. Like, he'll throw some outlandish fact within yeah. with a straight face mm-hmm. and just like see if you're going to buy it. Yeah. And she, bit, she bought it, but to her credit, she realized, like, what? Well, it hold took on. me a minute. But we had like, had a long day. You would have got it earlier if it wasn't such a long day. Yeah, but I, I also like had taken their beautiful circular ice cubes and put it in the um wine that we got from oh yeah from target that was because it wasn't cold. cold yet and i'm not gonna drink warm white wine you can't put wine in ice several friends reacted with disbelief over nancy's arrest anna brentwood who was close with the couple released a statement w- w- statement which was quoted by the oregonian which read everyone that knows her especially those closer to her than myself are sick at heart we we're hoping the police are wrong and just going after the easiest target. Mm. Well, you would hope that, but mm-hmm. there seems like there's some evidence. So. A good friend of Nancy's, Ta- Tanya Medellin, felt it was all just a misunderstanding. Mm. She was quoted by People.com as commenting, she wrote about murder mysteries and people are spinning it way out of control. Because you, you, you know what? It, mm-hmm. it sounds like, oh, it's so obvious. She wrote How to Murder Your Husband. Of course she didn't murder her husband. I mean, come yeah. on. It's just too, yeah. Yeah. It's like made for, for a movie, but... We'll it see. was. Okay. It was made into a movie. Okay, see? Exactly. <laughs> of course it was. Everything's made into a movie yeah. or a docuseries. Or- mm-hmm. She wrote about murder mysteries and people are spinning it way out of control. I don't believe she's capable of this. I've known her. I know him. They were in love. Okay. Mm-hmm. And she had a ghost gun. Mm-hmm. She did. I don't know. And she had a minivan that was seen driving around the campus. It's fairly- And how much life insurance? 1.4 million. Okay, mm. so there may be something to this. I don't think Tanya knew that. Tanya probably did not know that. To her credit, I'm sure she mm-hmm. thought this was all a misunderstanding, genuinely. It's, yep. It's fairly common for those close to a suspect to insist on their innocence. The truth is, all of us present a version of ourselves to loved ones. Oh, all of us. Now, that's an interesting question. Mm-hmm. Do you think that like people in general present not fully who they are to those, even if it's just very slight, Mm -hmm. but to those around them. I will say it is very rare, at least in my experience, to find yourself in the company of somebody that just feels so authentic, almost like to a fault. Mm -hmm. And I always say like, you know, even when I moved to Santa Clarita, I told my husband, Steve, like, 
I'm just like struggling to make friends out here because I just feel like I just haven't come across anybody authentic. I'm very picky about like, I just want to be around real people, no put-ons. I don't want to one up the other person. I don't want to play any games. I don't want whatever. And I was just really struggling with that. So I think in general, maybe there's some truth to that. I don't know. Like countless other court proceedings, Nancy's trial was postponed several times due to the global coronavirus pandemic. We've seen that a lot Mm -hmm. in the court system. Yeah, that's really unfortunate. So it was just motion after motion. Um, But while the postponements may have worked in the defense's favor, um, because it just bought her time, Mm -hmm. you know, extending the wait time was tough on Dan's family. Nathan, Nathaniel Stillwater, his his son from a previous marriage, hired attorney Christine Maskell to file a 1.7 million wrongful death suit against Nancy. Uh, and you know, yeah. I I love that as an option because we've mm-hmm. seen it so many times, the wrongful death, mm-hmm. that it's like a different kind of justice, you know? Yeah. If Maskell- you can't get it this way. Get it this way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maskell spoke about the emotional impact on the victim's family, telling the Daily Beast, it's been horrible. Every time they get ready to go, it's a delay. Whether it's COVID, defense motions, they get themselves all geared up and on and into the mind frame. And then it's all for naught again. They're very anxious and excited to get this thing going. That sounds like torture. Yeah. Yeah. For for victims That's, and and mm-hmm. um, victims, you know, perpetrators, family, the um, who had nothing to do with this, but also like the victims' loved ones, and it just that yeah. sounds like torture. So the trial just happened April fourth, twenty twenty two. So just a little very over recent a year ago. More than four years have passed since Dan Brophy's ultimate untimely. So before the trial was underway, Judge Christopher Ramit. Uh, Ramaras, Judge Christopher Ramaras ruled against Nancy's 2011 blog being presented as evidence, mm. uh, which is how to murder your husband. Okay, blog. so that got thrown out. Got that That's thrown out. Uses yep. Okay, interesting. Mm-hmm. As reported by Coin News, the writing wasn't permitted due to the danger of unfair prejudice and confusion of the issues. Okay. All right. Well, there's a take. That's okay, though. Yeah. You know what? I think I think that's fair. What do you think, honey? If anything were to ever happen to my husband and the the prosecution was trying to go, well, we're going to use your Google searches as evidence because you've got all kinds of looks like you were plotting a murder. I would want that thrown out because it's like, no, based on what I do, I'm going to have this. This has nothing to do with, you know, mm-hmm. they could use that against me. I would hope that I, we could get that evidence thrown out because it's prejudicial and there was a valid reason as to why. Yeah, it I could was, cause confusion, but it could also help her. By saying this is what she claimed earlier, which sure. is uh, all of this stuff for novels, for novels, right? And, yeah. Um, so right away, there was a consensus between the defense and prosecution. The Brophies were in dire financial strait. Right away, there was a consensus between the defense and prosecution. The Brophies were in dire financial straits in okay. late 2017. But while the DA believed this constituted a motive, defense attorney Lisa Maxfield insisted the love Nancy had for Dan meant she couldn't fathom a life without him. Okay. 
All right. An opening statement. Either way, but it sounds more like a motive to me. It does. An opening statement, Senior Deputy DA Sean Overstreet said Dan Brophy was content in his simplistic lifestyle, but Nancy Brophy wanted something more. Nancy Brophy planned and carried out what she believed was the perfect murder, a murder that she believed would free her from the grips of financial despair and enter a life of financial security and adventure. All of the leads that detectives followed up with all pointed back and Nancy Brophy. Okay. Mm -hmm. So maybe she was seeking a more adventurous life. She was bored maybe in her marriage, in her life. She was living paycheck to paycheck. Well, it sounds like less than paycheck to paycheck. He had two two jobs. Yeah. Uh, What a great guy trying to keep them afloat. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And, And maybe she was just like a overspender and spending all the money. It was just never enough. Yeah. The defense countered that these so-called leads were circumstantial to accuse Nancy of murdering Dan undermined two decades of happy memories. According to the Washington Post, Maxfield said Nancy was lost after Dan was killed. Her friends would tell you that she sounded very confused. It was as though the earth had fallen away from her feet. I'm sure Nancy probably could use words to say that. With Dan's death, she stooped to gain, or she stood to gain $1.5 million, which is a lot of money for someone who struggled to make it. It is. It's a very good argument. Yeah. Yeah. Maxwell argued that given Nancy's career and her in-depth knowledge of life insurance policies, it wasn't all that incriminating to have extensive coverage in place. Wait, Hmm. given her what? Uh, Maxfield argued that given Nancy's career and her in-depth knowledge of life insurance policies, it wasn't all that incriminating to have extensive coverage in place. I think it is. If you can't afford it, mm-hmm. why are you stretching that far? If you maybe you mm-hmm. think that those payments are going to end one day soon when your murdered your son or your husband dies and you're going to get the money, like just because you sell life insurance mm-hmm. doesn't make me think that you're going to get like well, over 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 coverage well, and overextend yourself um, to get it. So Nancy's attorney said she became more focused on insurance. Um, So maybe this will change your mind. Nancy's attorney said she became more focused on insurance coverage in 2015 when she needed surgery and worried she might die on the operating table. They also explained their client urged Dan to take advantage of a lower cost premium since he was five years younger than his wife. Oh. Does that change your mind? No, it just still, <laughs> I'm sticking to the fact that like, it's just for who they were in life and their financial situation. And it just seems like maybe three times the amount they probably needed, <laughs> you know? But remember, they're saying she just likes selling life insurance. Yeah. So let me just sell, sell, sell. <laughs> to like, myself. To myself <laughs> and pay $1,000 a month that I can't afford. Yeah. Early on in the trial, several witnesses were called to testify for the prosecution. Among them were students and instructors who observed the aftermath of the shooting. I'm sure that stuck with them. Yes. Yeah. It has Traumatic. To. Yeah. Dan's mother, Karen, gave testimony about her daughter-in-law's demeanor after Dan was killed. Karen said she received a call from Nancy the morning of June 2nd, and she let her know that there was a shooting at OCI. She didn't sound particularly panicked at the time, and Nancy called again a short while later. During that call, during that later call, Nancy broke the news to her by simply saying it was Dan, as reported by Coin News. Karen said, after after she said that, I don't remember if there was any more conversation. I was absolutely devastated. Mm. Yeah. What time did she call the first time? What time did she call the first time? Yeah. Well, I don't know. 
called Nancy's Dan's biggest cheerleader, even when he was harsh with students. She was quoted by the Washington Post as saying she always defended him. She always came up with a reason that was okay. Okay. All right. Okay. What are you thinking, hon? She did it. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Um, he's just, he's mm-hmm. convicted her. Okay. Yeah. One thing Maxine mentioned was a theory held by Nancy's supporters. Since its opening, OCI had attracted a homeless population in the surrounding area. Portland is known, actually. Yeah. We, we have a pretty bad a homeless. Oh. Yeah. A yeah. really bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Had become more aggressive in the months leading up to Dan's murder. This angle, however, was never seriously considered by investigators who found it more possible that the wife did it. Well, they caught her on surveillance yeah. at an odd hour. And I'm uh, guessing that maybe they didn't see mm-hmm. an unhoused person like on camera approaching the school. I mean, who knows? Yeah. Miranda Bernhard, a former student of Dan's, recollected, uh, recollected a garage door on the side. But this wasn't unusual to faculty's manager, Woodson Bailey, who testified that Chef Dan would bring in a cart carrying supplies students could purchase the cart could the cart didn't fit through the door um any other way okay yeah bailey added that after dan's death oci added indoor security cameras unfortunately due to funding issues the schools the school closed permanently in july of 2020 that's sad that's That's a sad thing yeah he would have been uh, dan probably you know would not have been happy about yeah. that. Detective Anthony Merle's testimony made it clear that no evidence backed up the idea of a random attacker. According to the Oregonian, he said, I thought somebody came in here. I thought somebody came in there, saw a window of opportunity to steal a wallet from somebody, steal cash from somebody, steal a vehicle from somebody, but we didn't find anything like that. There's nothing missing. Okay. You know? Yeah. It's not a robbery yeah. gone bad. Detectives concluded the killing was personal based on reports from state medical examiners. According to Coin News, state deputy medical examiner Michelle Taylor, love another female mm-hmm. coroner. Uh, 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 Staffen, I'll just say Michelle Taylor Stuffenberg, Stuffenberg confirmed in court that Dan was shot at close range, mm-hmm. first in his spinal column and then in his heart. She said both injuries would have been fatal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Close range. That does, yep, I think close that range. tells Although you something. Although Nancy's blog entry, How to Murder Your Husband, was deemed not admissible in court, the prosecution was able to get other key evidence admitted. The ghost gun kit Nancy ordered her out of the blue target purchase. Uh, <laughs> I thought she said target oh. purchase. Her out of the blue target practices at a firing range, the idea that her husband was worth more dead than alive, were argued by the prosecution at trial. Okay. They mm-hmm. had her on camera mm-hmm. right around the right time. And she had that kind of gun. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nancy's trial is anticipated to last around seven weeks. At the end of April, on June 13, 2022, Self-published romance novelist Nancy Crompton Brophy was sentenced Monday to life in prison. So Nancy was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole after 25 years for murdering her husband at his workplace. That sounds like a first mm-hmm. or second degree yes. conviction. Uh, she, was, she was 71 and was found guilty of second degree murder on May 25th following a trial that took place over more than seven weeks. Oh. So it was a seven-week trial. And that's a long mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that is a long trial. Yeah. Wow. And and I wonder why they weren't able to get to first-degree murder because you have to, 
be able to find evidence for premeditation. Yeah. But, and it's, you know, it, it sounds like if she was, if she is guilty, and of course we know she was convicted and sentenced, mm-hmm. that it was first degree. She, it was premeditated, but sometimes you just can't get there or you can't yeah. get a jury there. Sometimes juries have options. Like when I sat on, I was the foreman for a first degree murder trial mm-hmm. a few years ago, and we were given the options of like, uh, first degree murder, second degree murder, some form of manslaughter, you know, or, or just like not guilty. Mm-hmm. And it took us a while and we had to deliberate longer. We, we got to second degree, uh, within like a day and then we needed like a, another day and like a full weekend to think about it. And then we reconvened and we were able to elevate it to first degree murder. But like, you have to find, as you mm-hmm. know, premeditation, do you believe she she killed her husband? I do. Yeah. I do not because she wrote How to Murder Your Husband. I would just like completely throw that out of my mind because yeah. that could be just whatever coincidental. Right. But um, the fact that she was caught on surveillance at that time around or on the campus or around the campus, you know, and then there's the 13-minute window of her being seen. That tells me like going inside, mm-hmm. she committed the murder. She, she got in her van, the the part, and then she had the gun, you know, she, then she bought the ghost gun right before, you know, he was murdered. She bought the gun and she took, went to target practice. So she's like, seems like she's like gearing up to do this. The thing that throws me off is the up close and personal, like the, and maybe I'm being too dramatic, but the fact that it was at close range. Yeah. Like if you, if you didn't have like a anger or hatred toward your spouse, maybe you would just do it from a distance and just get it. Cause you just want the money mm-hmm. maybe. Yeah. But like, why do you so close up is, is personal, but maybe that was just a function of like, that's the kind of gun she had and she wasn't a very good shot and she like needed to get closer. Yeah. To make That's sure she how I think of it okay. because if you if something's far away from me, I probably would miss it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I know. I would. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh wait. Well, I want people to think I'm tough and don't come into my house and mess with me. So no, I would definitely get on the first shot. <laughs> yeah. 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 So fast. Yeah. What do you think, babe? She did. It's all there. I think she did. Yeah. The evidence seems fairly strong. Too. Yeah. How far back do you think she premeditated? With the life insurance. She put it in her blog so she could get away with it later. Mm. That was probably premeditated as well. So you think the how... And do you think, like, are you alluding to the fact that maybe she was like, if I write how to murder your husband, like, nobody's going to think I'm going to murder my husband. Probably. Maybe. Like, maybe that was part of it. Yeah, then it's too obvious. Mm -hmm. And it's like, no, I just wrote about how to murder your husband. Why would I go and do that? Yeah. Well, because you're Nancy Brophy and you're extra. Mm-hmm. She is. I, I I categorize her as extra. I didn't watch anything that um, – I, I didn't watch any of her videos of her speaking or anything. But now I'm curious yeah. if she would if she say, is. you're arresting me for murder. Oh, <gasps> how dare you? <laughs> I wrote about it. Do you think I'm stupid enough to do it? <laughs> I'm going to read I bet we could read her book still if we wanted to, but I'm not going to buy any books. You're not going to buy the sex books no. <laughs> and read Gosh, them on the that, beach for the world was, to see? That was like my 15-year-old self, you know. Yeah. Like, ooh, I have nothing against. Listen, there is no judgment here. People can You're read whatever. Sex shaming me. No. I know. <laughs> 
I don't fucking like turtles and I'm a slut shamer against Melissa. Great. A okay. slut shamer? No. Now you're calling me a slut. Oh. <laughs> okay, who's the extra ones, Nancy or us? Okay. All right. <laughs> or as we sit here in hot pink Barbie outfits, who's extra? We are the extra ones. All right. Okay, that thank was you. thank you for walking us through that. I like I said, uh-huh. I I saw the headlines because it was just kind of blasted in the yeah. news about, you know, like, oh, well, this author. It's a Portland case and uh and it's Halloween. I thought do something a little little different. Yeah. yeah. And now I worry about how sleeves uh, sleeve. <laughs> it's just he has to, <laughs> sleeveless. He does not okay. We have to let me no let me describe right what now. Steve is yeah, he has no sleeves. He's just wearing uh sweat wristbands and a fan like and knee pads and a fanny pack. And does that look like paint splattered and spray painted? It's so 80s. It looks so like not, radical yeah. dude. Radical. I mean you're very it 80s. What was the name of the costume that you ordered from Amazon if people want this? Do you recall? The links oh, to our, our outfit could be in this show description. Oh, my God. Nobody wants my outfit. I I cannot wait to rip this thing off. It oh, is so cheaply. Yeah. It's it's just such a – it's an Amazon special, which, by the way, the outfit I walked in earlier today is mm-hmm. also an Amazon special. Well, so cute. I'm an Amazon shopper. That's cute. But this particular outfit, I just wanted to throw up pink when I got here <laughs> for this, you know, <laughs> Halloween episode. Yeah. But this jacket is um, sweaty polyester. Like, oh, this, Are you sweating right now? Now, I like feel hard. just hot. Mm. I just feel hot. But this room is a little hot. It is. All right, guys. All right, lie detectors. Let us know your thoughts. And uh, the links to all of our Amazon purchases are in the show description if you'd like to. Um, we will see you soon. Bye. Hey, lie detectors, leave a five-star rating and drop your favorite lipstick in the review section because we lie detectors don't gatekeep. And follow us on Instagram and TikTok at Lipstick and Lies if you want to see behind the scenes and clips of us recording each episode and be a part of the lie detector community. Executive producers of Lipstick and Lies are Melissa Moore, myself, Jamie Rice, and Sim Sarna. The podcast is co-produced by Cloud10 Media. Subscribe to Lipstick and Lies so you don't miss an episode. We all know that crime is usually a good old boys club, but sometimes the truth lies behind lipstick. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.